All Souls Day is a day of prayer and remembrance for the faithful departed. It's been observed by Roman Catholics uh, on, on November 2nd. Today, try to get the Holy Mass, say a rosary, do your divine mercy, and remember all the family members that have passed away, all your friends that have passed away. If you have a chance, go visit a cemetery and gain a plenary indulgence provided you uh, qualify You've done everything prerequisite to receive the plenary indulgence. Go and pray at a, uh, uh, any prayers uh, of supplication or petition at a cemetery today. Terry, I'm on duty. What about you, my friend? I'm on duty, yes. I don't know if my mic is on, Mr. Engineer. Very good. Now it, I hear it's, it's on. on. It's on. Yes, uh, I want to just give a definition for the catechism of the Catholic Church regarding uh, purgatory. It's right in our catechism, paragraph mm-hmm. 1030 and 1031. And I'll just read it. All who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. But after death, they undergo a purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. Remember, the book of Revelation says nothing but perfect and pure will enter the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And the other paragraph, the church gives the name purgatory, to this final purification of the elect, which is entirely different from the punishment of the damned. So those are good distinctions to be made. Jesse, today, we I, I'm so excited. I read this article about two weeks ago about Father Peter Stravinskis. What's really needed for a wow. Eucharistic revival? I mean, everything he said, I just checked it off. I remember meeting him back in 77 when he was a newly ordained priest through an article in the National Catholic Register showing me how it's it's going to mess up the church regarding um, giving Holy Communion in the hand, and it certainly did. And uh, now he's going to give us some more instruction, so this will be good. Also, you know, this incurring the wrath of God, a German Catholics demand bishops resign for launching pro-LGBT ministry. I think they're doing it out of charity for the bishop because the bishop's leading souls to hell— and people realize that we have to speak up. And we also have our good friend, Dr. Ed Mazza, joining us halfway through for a little update on what, how he's doing. Uh, much, much more. Jesse, Bishop Joseph Strickland said this, just uh, Tuesday's show. He said, too many bishops, too many church leaders are siding with the pro-abortion Joe Biden, and we need to knock it off. And I, I, mm. we've been saying that, but to have a bishop say it, he knows. He knows. He sees his brother bishops, and he, he says, what's going on? Why can't we just call it for what it is? And we're getting more bishops, like the bishop of Detroit, Vigoron, who just said, Michigan, he says he's writing to thousands of Catholics, urging them to oppose the new abortion law. Yeah, they're waking up, but this was something that we all knew was going to happen, Jess. And so I just say this. Uh, it's good that they're speaking up. It's just a little late. But Jess, yeah. uh, what's some good news stories? I want to hear something good because that wasn't good. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, here's a couple of uh, good news. Here's one, Terry. Yeah, hit me. Hit me. Flor- Florida moves to ban trans treatments for kids. Yes, I heard that. Yep. That's yes. Good news. So, so a joint legislative committee approved a rule that would prohibit minors from receiving puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and gen- surgery to treat gender dysphoria in Florida. That's what you get when you got a good governor, Terry. Yeah, and Jesse... And, th- and people wrote, vi- vote for the right people. You're absolutely right. Jess, this is not good news, but we've been talking about George Soros. He's the, the man behind the curtain. He just yep. gave $4.5 million guaranteed right to abortion and sterilization in the state of Michigan. 
You see, these this guy, when people say George Soros, he's behind so much liberal and evil things. This man, in his exit interview, is going to have a lot to, to uh, account for in regarding all the evil this man has done. Terry, I also read this morning that the Republicans are being outspent by the Democrat by the Democrats ten to one. Uh, I didn't know it was that high. Wow. Yeah, because they have wow. people like Soros, Bill Gates, uh, Zuckerbucks, big tech, big pharma. Uh, yeah, ten they, to they, one. Yeah, ten to one, and and still the Republicans right now seem to. It looks like they're going to be taking the House and Senate oh. uh, by 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 the hair of their chinny chin chin, even though they're being outspent ten to one. Here's another bit of good news. Uh, well, n- not actually good news, uh, but it goes to show you the bias. Uh, it, it, when you're a minority, and if you're if you're not liberal, yeah, uh, the, you you you're an outcast. You're like a pariah. Yeah, and I say that because the Congressional Hispanic Caucus refused to accept Representative Myra Flores as a member of their group, despite the fact that she's the first Congresswoman born in Mexico. Wow, why? So why do they reject her to be part of the group of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus? Because she's a Republican, (laughs) and the membership is reserved for Democrats only. So again, you see, this denial once again proves a bias towards a conservative Latina that doesn't fit the narrative or the ideology. Also, pro-abortion activist Kristen Clark, assistant attorney general for the civil rights at the Department of Justice, guess what? She's a vocal abortion proponent who has repeatedly expressed her support for preserving Roe versus Wade. Wow. She's the one, Kristen Clark, mm-hmm. uh, for the Department of Justice. She also oversees investigations into violations of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, which she's used already to charge 26 pro-life individuals this year to have their houses raided. So in other words, the person that's in charge of of the Department of Justice to investigate violations of the Freedom of Access to Clinic is a hardcore vocal pro-abortion opponent, and she's sicking her dogs on on pro-life Catholics around the country. Finally, Governor Laura, Laura Kelly, a Kansas Democrat, is under hot water for administration's finding of an all-ages drag show that featured hypersexualized gay men dancing in front of young children. Oh, no. The a spokesperson with the Kansas Department of Commerce said the story was blatantly wrong, but Kansas NPR stated that the event received support from the Kansas Creative Arts and Industry Commission which is a service of the state's Department of Commerce. Kelly, who also supports abortion and claims to be Catholic, is up for re-election in November. Wow. Terry, Kansas, as once conservative state, is yeah. now a Democrat stronghold. I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, Jesse, yeah. the final, before we get to the gospel, millions of unborn babies will face death if Democrats win the midterms. See, it's a big night, right? We're talking about... A half a million or more unborn children will be ex- extinguished over the next two years alone. So that's why I'm asking everybody who has a moral conscience, Catholic, Christian, anybody who says, look, I, I'm going to stop the killing of unborn babies. We can do that by voting against the Democratic Party, who's it's on their platform, therefore killing babies up to nine months. And so I just want to encourage people to stand up for life in the next week when we all vote. All right, Jess. That's right. Let's hit some, Let's, uh, some good some news. Some soul food. Yep, hit it. You got it. Uh, 
Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 37 and following. Jesus said to the crowds, Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will not, and I will not reject anyone who comes to me, mm-hmm. because I came down from heaven. So notice where Jesus came from. He came down from heaven. And this is an important point, because nobody else has ever come down from heaven, <laughs> only right. Jesus. This is, a, this is one of the things Uniqueness. that makes him unique. Yep. Yeah. He says, uh, because I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the, by the way, that's the definition of, of an apostle. The definition of an apostle in Greek is doing the will of somebody who sent you that has authority. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose anything of what he gave me, but that I should raise it on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have eternal life. And I shall raise him on the last day. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here, what is the will of the Father? The will of the Father is, is our salvation, eternal Amen. life. That's God's will. God doesn't will the damnation. The, he doesn't will the damnation of the evildoer, but he allows them to follow their own disordered passions and their own disordered appetites and make their own decisions. Uh, in, in fact, Terry, let me just give a quick reflection from Pope Please Benedict XVI. Yes. He says... He talks about All Souls Day, Pope Benedict XVI. He says, I would go so far as to say that if there were no purgatory, then we would have to invent it. <laughs> For who would dare say of himself that he was able to stand directly before God? Close quote. Can I you imagine it. that? That's a great C.S. Lewis said the same thing. Uh, yeah. Cardinal John Henry Newman I've said the same it. thing. Yep. Yeah. If there wasn't purgatory, we I would demand it. that there was. Because all of us know that we're filthy rags before God. Exactly. And all of us want to have our white garments before we enter into the wedding feast of the Lamb. Amen, brother. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. Talking about heaven. Bishop Sheen says, heaven is a city on a hill. Hence, we cannot coast into it. That's a good analogy. Mm. We have to climb, right? Those who are too lazy to mount can miss its capture as well as the evil who refuse to seek it. Say, Jesse, no universal salvation with Bishop Sheen or with the Catholic Church, but this is something that I would always encourage people to realize that this isn't a, when our exit interview comes up, Everything we've done this on this planet, the life that we've had here, will come to an accountability. And what good we've done will determine uh, our union with God for all eternity, our soul in heaven. This is something that we encourage people because this is what Virgin Most Powerful is all about, helping people get to heaven through Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. When we come back, Jess, Father Peter Stravinsky's article regarding a revival of the Holy Eucharist. We call a Eucharistic revival. It's the best article I've written. Yeah, ever yeah, no, he nailed it. He topic. nailed it. And uh, this is going to be part of a Eucharistic revival that we're going to be putting on with Bishop Snyder and Bishop Joseph Strickland and Jess Romero and Father Murr. Yeah, that's coming later this year. And let's talk about it when we come back. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Father Peter Stravinskas is a priest that tells you exactly how he feels. (laughs) And 
He writes an article, Terry. Yes, he does. I wish he was the president of the USCCB. Oh, man. And we, we would repair all the problems in the United States of America if he was the USCCB president because he knows exactly what we need. Oh, yeah. So what's really needed for a Eucharistic revival? More balloons, banners, and butterflies? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, more guitar masses? Well, I don't think so. Are American bishops rightly concerned about the widespread loss of faith in the Most Holy Eucharist mm. have launched a three-year Eucharistic revival? All the teaching, preaching, and programs in the world, however, will avail little to nothing if we don't address the root causes of the unbelief, namely that the signs and symbols of the sacred liturgy no longer support the teaching. So herewith is a modest proposal to reverse this problem. What he's saying is this. Our ortho, our orthodoxy, our teaching yes. must be consistent with orthopraxy. Our actions. Our actions. Yeah, that's In other words, if we don't get the right actions at the mass. Right on. Then it doesn't matter what you write down in a document no. and, and, and put on the Internet. Right actions proceed, or, right. Uh, proceed from right doctrine. That's right. And that's what that's what he's saying here. And he goes through, through different paragraphs, Terry. Go ahead. Uh, you know, and I'll just say this. Father Peter Stravinskis is spot on on this thing. Pe- you know, the point he's making is let's see what actions we take place at Mass. And are they are they really supporting our belief in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist? And the answer is going to be no. But let's talk, first of all, Jess, number one, loss of Latin. The Council Fathers opened up the possibility for greater use of the vernacular, okay? And scripture readings and prayer of the faithful. But, you know, when we read the document of Vatican II, Jess, we've said it many times over the years, they were quite clear that Latin should not only be retained in the liturgy, but that the faithful ought to be able to respond to Latin prayers and sing the venerable Gregorian chants. And every major religion retains a place of honor for a sacred language. Yeah, Islam has Arabic. Exactly. And and let's be honest, how many Catholics, if you asked at your parish, know their, their, their responses to the Mass in Latin? I'm going to say probably maybe one or two out of 100 people would know that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Continue, Jess. Yeah, so yeah, he said, right, Latin has also contributed to the balkanization of parishes. Yep as various ethnic groups split off into their separate communities. I, I've seen that problem, Jesse. Oh, well, you, got Mex- you got the Filipino mass. You got the, you got the mariachi mass. Yes. You got the black mass. Yeah, wh- you got life teen mass. No. Look- you got the diversity mass. You got LG pride masses. You no, do. The, they're out there. Th- this, is, this is exactly what's happened when you got rid of the sacred language. One <sighs> language. Universal. Yeah, so the, the second point that Father Stravinskis makes is he says movement of the tabernacle. Yep. In the cradle of the people of God, Pope Paul VI referred to the tabernacle as the living heart of each of our churches. Wow, what a great, beautiful thing. What a beautiful line. Yeah. Too bad people don't act like nope. that. Even many of our priests. No, it's put them in the corner. Or bishops. So why the relegation of the tabernacle to a side altar, a separate chapel or a closet, resulting in the replacement of Christ at the center? Usually by an enthroned priest. With the tabernacle off the central access... Should we be surprised by people chatting as they enter the church as if they were in a movie theater? Terry, I worked in a, I, I went to court for about 20 years as a cop, and I can tell you yeah. who sits at the very apex, the very center of, of the courtroom. It's Ooh. the judge. Yep. Because everybody knows he's the most important figure in the courtroom, and everything uh, 
everything works around the judge. Mm-hmm. He's the center. He's the access of what happens in the courtroom. Well, Jesus Christ is also a judge, but he's the supreme judge of the universe. He also should always be on the central axis of every na- of every sanctuary. And Jesse, I'm going to quote Bishop Sheen on this. At the Eucharistic Congress, August 1976, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, he said that the fact that uh, many times we go into churches, we can't find our Lord uh, saying, well, where is he? You know, why are we uh, why are we replacing the, the tabernacle in the center with a chair for the uh, president of the liturgy? He said this, and this was his words, we're worshiping a tin God. In other words, tin man-made God. Man is taking the place in the center of the church when Jesus Christ should. And I, I agree with Bishop Sheen on that point, Jeff. Yeah. Go to the next one, Cherry. All right, here's the next one. Removal of altar rails. Yep. Ripping out the altar rails obscured the necessary necessary distinction between the sacred and the profane. The altar needs to be visually set apart because what is enacted there is to remove from the commonplace experience of daily life. Heaven is coming down to earth. With that distinction lost, those of us on earth have difficulty ascending to heaven, which should occur at every Mass. You know, Jesse, at our Sacred Heart Chapel, it was built in 1911. We had a beautiful altar rail because Monsignor, who was baptized here, told me exactly what it looked like. I've seen pictures. And when we got to church, what did we do first? We we actually restored the altar rails. It cost us, I think, fifteen or 18 I can't remember, $18,000, $15,000, but it was worth every penny because as of this morning, when we go to receive Holy Communion, we're kneeling on the tongue. And so <clears throat> the removal of altar rails undermines the belief in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And so, Father, you're spot on. Next one, Jess. Are your thoughts? Communion fast. Yeah. Prior to Pope Pius XII, the communion fast began at midnight. It was, it was hard so that the frequent communion advocated by, by Pope Pius X was noted in the mm-hmm. breach more than in the observance. Yep. Pius XII wisely mitigated that fast to three hours for solid foods and one hour for liquids. Pope Paul VI modified the fast even further to present discipline, namely one hour for solid foods or liquids. The purpose of the Eucharistic fast is to make us feel physical hunger, the better to know the spiritual hunger for the bread of life. Okay, I'll be honest. What a huge mistake. What a huge mistake to, to, in other words, to lower the bar. That's exactly what they did. When you lower the bar... What's going to happen is people are going to say, well, there must be nothing to this. I thought they said this was God. This was the real prince of Jesus Christ. Yeah. But you don't even have to fast no more the night before or three hours, just an hour now. Uh, yeah, I think these guys don't believe what they're teaching. It's exactly. like uh, it's like what uh, LaBeouf said that act- Shia LaBeouf, the actor, says, yeah, he says, uh, yeah, they're trying to sell me a car. I don't like yeah. that. Actions speak louder than words. And Jess, what we just, what you just said, uh, again, I've had Protestants, when I bring them into Catholic churches and they come to Mass with me, and you said, Terry, I thought you said that everybody uh, believes that that's the body and blood of Jesus that they're receiving. It sure didn't look that way. I mean, if I believed what you guys, I'd be down on my knees. And he made a good point to me, Jess. I've had several Protestants do that. All right, here's the next one. Standing for Holy Communion. For centuries, Catholics in the Western Church have knelt to receive the Holy Eucharist. Eastern Christians historically have stood. The problem is not so much with standing as much as with the lack of any sign of reverence. 
Have we forgotten? And this is a great quote, St. Augustine's statement. No one eats the flesh without first adoring it. We should, uh, we should sin where we do not adore it. Oh, you know, Jesse, that's something that just blew me away when I first saw that. I said, oh, my gosh. That's why he's spot on with that. And, you know, Jess, one more thing it's not in there is the 40-hour devotion. I don't know if you remember as a kid, uh, the 40-hour devotion, when it would go through the diocese, we'd have Eucharistic adoration. This is something that will bring people to a belief in the real presence through the grace of spending time before our Eucharistic King. So standing for Holy Communion undermines, because I stand for all kinds of food, don't I? But, but for the sacred food of the Holy Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, if I'm physically capable, Jess, I'm down on my knees, bro. That was a huge, huge mistake. mistake. Yep, huge. next. And we're paying for it. This is a big one. Yeah, here's another a huge mistake. Uh, you think? Uh, communion received on the tongue and while kneeling says uh, it, there's a picture of it where Pope somebody's receiving with Pope Benedict. It's, just, it's so beautiful that picture. The next one, mass facing people, yeah, versus populum celebration of the Eucharistic sacrifice is a true novelty. Saint Peter's in Rome is the exception that proves the rule. In every religion where sacrifice has been offered, from biblical Judaism to the worship of the pagan Greeks and Romans, priests and people face the same direction, presumably facing the divinity implored. Ironically, the versus populum position is far more clericalist than the ad orientum position posture because perforce it makes the priest the center of attention well said and jesse the vatican ii documents state that the tr- priest turns around and says the lord be with you face, face if, of the people he, yeah. what does that imply dude it, He's not... it assumes implies that right. that that, that so, the novus order well, mass there, was meant to be at orientum well, as well will the real vatican ii please stand up okay next one yeah. the use of extraordinary ministers of holy communion this is a huge one okay well, go ahead hit it hit jess because it is you, you talk faster and, and than promulgating I yeah a, a, a Latin document called Immense Caritatis yep. in 1973, Pope Paul VI gave very precise indications for recourse to the non-ordained for distributing Holy Communion. Those norms were subsequently incorporated into the 1983 Code of Canon Law. I have never seen a situation in which those norms are followed. Exactly. Never. L- lay distribution of the Holy Sacrament diminishes two sacraments. The august nature of the Eucharist, if anyone can distribute it, what's the big deal? And the unique identity of the ordained minister. St. Thomas Aquinas, in one of his hymns composed to the Feast of Corpus Christi, uh, uh, Sacra Solemnis, has has a seeing the following, quote, As only the priest can confect the Eucharist, only does he distribute, close quote, I can imagine what the saints in heaven are saying right now as they look down on earth oh. and seeing that this sacrilege yeah. committed in the average Novus Ordo Mass. They must, I mean, I can imagine just the ire right yeah. now from the saints in heaven. Yeah, see, the biggest one, I believe, is communion in the hand. Bishop Snyder's got a whole section in his book. I would get it, the Catholic Mass from us. He wrote a whole book on that. Yes. Thin book on yeah, it. he did. This practice arose in low countries. Uh, France, Germany, after the council. Pope Paul consulted a worldwide episcopate about this phenomenon with the vast majority of bishops voting strongly against it. But then in 1969, the Pope, fearing a schism, oh my gosh, acquiesced to the will of the disobedient countries, 
allowing the continuation of communion in the hand there and only there. But it didn't end in those places. As in many other countries, some liturgists, bishops in the United States, sought to get on the bandwagon. The issue came up several times for a vote in our bishops, and each time it was defeated. Check this out, folks. Finally, through uh, the, the shenanigans of Cardinal Joseph Bernadine, a Satanist, then the president of the Episcopal Conference, illicitly posting polling of absent bishops through a mail-in ba- uh, ballots, brought about a victory for for that in 1977. Now, some counter... Oh, Jesse, I want to continue on this when we yeah. come back, because this is yes. so important about communion yes. in the hand. We're Fe- in the yes. history out of it. Oh, this is just bad news. Because you don't believe in the Eucharist. I eat hamburgers with my hands. The Blessed yes. Sacrament, on my tongue, please. You're Thank listening you. to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was bunny... Josie and I would be billionaires. Stay with us. We'll talk Mm -hmm. more about the Holy Eucharist. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess has picked a great article by Father Peter Stravinskis. Uh, trying to get a what we call a, a need for a Eucharistic revival with Orthodox things to do. And one of them was to stop communion in the hand. And what, what, why do I think that none of these are going to be implemented by the USCCB? I I, I'm guessing uh, that it, th- th- that's just my take. Well, you're I may probably be wrong. I may right. Be wrong. But you know what, Jess? We hoi polloi guys. Yeah. We're, not, we're not in management. We're in sales. We're going to keep continually banging on this drum because communion in the hand, let's be honest, when only 70% of the Catholics believe in the real presence, you know, this is alarming. Well, hey, think about it. Uh, if, it's the, if it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, and it is, then why would we want to put it in our hand like a hamburger? I mean, give me a break. This is wrong. And what's interesting, he doesn't say this, but Martin Luther, at the time of the Reformation, introduced communion in the hand because the he said right? the Lutherans because he said it just signifies Christ. It's not really Christ. And Jess, I just I'll let you finish up on that topic of communion in the hand, but it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, L- Luther said he taught he departed from Catholic teaching, the, yeah. but the other Protestants really went off the deep end. Yeah. Luther taught consubstantiation. Right. Here's what he With, said. Yep. He said it is bread and it is wine, mm-hmm. along with mm-hmm. the body and blood of Jesus. Right. And that departs from transubstantiation, which we say it is, it is, the, it is Jesus Christ totally, sacramentally, uh, really and substantially under the appearance. See that? Appearance yeah. of bread and wine. Yeah. So Luther departed. That's right. But then Calvin, they just went off the deep oh, end. They just said, further. this is just a symbol. It, it's, <laughs> exactly. it just signifies Christ. But going back, this is the most important paragraph, hit, I think, in this old article. Go ahead. Again, communion in the hand. If you don't know where it came from, Father Stravinskis told us where it came from. Yeah. This practice arose in the 60s, in, in this age of rebellion yep, around 60s. the world. Yep. In the low countries, France and Germany... Belgium, I know, is another country oh, after yeah. the Vatican II. Yeah. So Pope Paul VI consulted the worldwide episcopate That's about this phenomenon yep. with the vast majority of bishops voting strongly against communion in the hand. So the Pope writes a document, Memoriali Domini, in 1969. Now, Pope Paul VI, he feared that there was going to be a schism yep. 
And so he acquiesced to the will of the disobedient countries that basically said, we're going to do it anyway. We don't care what you say or what you write. So he allowed the the continuation of Holy Communion in the hand in in just those countries. Right. Uh, And only there, France, Germany, Belgium, just a few countries that, that, that were rebelling. But it didn't end. It didn't end up in those places. It just the genie came out of the bottle, as in many other countries. You know, some liturgists and bishops in the U.S. they sought to get on the bandwagon, and they began saying, "Hey, if they could do it, we could do it too." So uh, the issue came up several times for a vote for our bishops, and each time it was defeated. Right. But finally. Through the imaginations of Cardinal Joseph Bernardine. And yep. by the way, Church Militant has a good piece on him. He was a Satanist. Go to Church Militant and you can watch wow. an entire hour report on this. And they just lay him out with facts. Yeah. So Cardinal Joseph Bernardine, then the president of the Episcopal, Episcopal Conference and Satanists, He's the one through illicit polling of absent bishops through mail-in ballots. Huh. Mail-in ballots. Hmm. Sound familiar? Uh, Yeah, sounds familiar. Brought about the victory of communion in the hand in 1977. Yeah, I remember that. So fake, uh, a fake election, fake ballots, and some counter that communion in the hand was the practice of the ancient church. This was a, a theory that has been widely questioned. Indeed, there are many practices of the ancient church <laughs> I love this. that few would want revived, like how about lifelong penance? I love it. That was also part of pre-Vatican II. <laughs> what is certainly uncontestable is that, yeah, how about hair shirts? Exactly. That was pre-Vatican II. What is certainly incontestable is that for over a millennium, reception on the tongue was universal. Yeah. The call for its abandonment occurred at the time of the Protestant Reformation. We should not be surprised in that 70% of Catholics do not believe in the real presence. The very statistic that precipitated Episcopal alarm and have a truncated understanding of the sacred priesthood and a concomitant decline in priestly vocations as well. Since what? Since the introduction of communion in the hand more than four decades ago. And, and just let me jump in. Man. I can't say all of it, but there are requirements that that document back in 1969 stated that needed to be there before you could receive Holy Communion in the hand. One of them was a belief in the real presence or an outward sign. And none of these things were listened to. So the document was just poo-pooed and Communion in the hand became uh, not just optional. They were forcing children. As a matter of fact, I've got my friend Dr. Ed Mazza on. Ed, oh, okay. welcome to our show. Are you there, brother? I am, guys. God bless you. God bless you. Dr. Ed, I remember you telling me, because you and I go way back, that when you were a child, even back in New York when you were a youngster, I I believe, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but there was your parents were very, very orthodox in their practices, and they didn't uh, allow certain things happening when you were a youngster. And I believe one of them was receiving Holy Communion on the tongue, that you for, that your parents wanted you to have that and not in the hand. Am I onto something, or was that was that, a, was that my imagination? No, there are many false stories about my past. That's, <laughs> that's a true one. I figured it was. You told me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, when uh, yeah. it was the school year of 78-79, uh, yeah. and they, they, they were introducing Communion in the Hand in our parish, I see. And so I used to go to Sunday school, yeah. and that's, that's the way that all the children were going to receive. And my parents said, no, Good. that's a sacrilege. Yeah. 
and they took they took me out of Sunday school, and you can't imagine the abuse that my parents got from the parish council, you know, wow. parents from the parish council, yeah. and and they got letters, and they said if if you don't allow your son to receive communion in the hand with all of his classmates, yeah. you're going to permanently scar this child for the rest of his life. <laughs> you give me a break. Well. That does explain a few things, doesn't it, Joe? Oh, I think I was just going to say that. you too. <laughs> hey, hey, Dr. Ed, this is why uh, this revival of the Eucharist, we, we named a lot of things here, but I actually asked you to come on for another reason, but I wanted you to get your take with how important you know reverence for the Eucharist is, and I know that you believe that, but you're still teaching classes on the Internet. Can you? I want our listeners to know how they can connect with you on these classes you're teaching. Could you share a little bit of that with us, please? Oh, definitely. I've got some blockbuster courses that I'm offering online. Yes. Uh, every Tuesday and every Wednesday mm-hmm. at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Mm-hmm. But if you can't make the class live, mm-hmm. uh, we send out videos. You can Good. watch it at your leisure. Sure. And the two classes I'm offering, uh, folks can go to edmundmaza.com mm-hmm. to enroll. Yeah. And uh, the first course is uh, Pope History. We're going to be looking at the papacy because um, there's a lot of you know controversy about the papacy today, and we're going to go back to the first millennium, St. Peter, St. Gregory the Great, St. Leo the Great, mm-hmm. and we're going to look at all these different controversies that are going on today. Like, yeah. um, you know, last month a group of Catholics you know, did a public protest against uh, certain things that are going on with the, with the Pope today, and we're going to look, can lay people do that? Uh, then you've got the Sede Vicantis. That, that claim that there hasn't been a true pope since, you know, way back when. Sure. We're going to look into church history and try to clarify the matter according to traditional Catholic doctrine. Got it. Um, and then the other uh, class I'm offering is uh, a class on good versus evil, uh-huh. uh, according to the Bible, the saints, G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis. Um, it's uh, Basically, it's kind of a spiritual warfare, but more of an intellectual uh, approach to it. Um, so if uh, if folks go to edmundmaza.com, they can find out the information. Excellent. Ed, I want to just jump in and tell you that uh, I appreciate your expertise when it comes to church history. It sounds like sometimes when you're teaching, like you were there 400 years ago so or 500 years ago. So I appreciate that. And I want to say thank you for, for jumping in on this tissue of Eucharistic oh. reverence. And, Ed, we're going to cover right after this uh, break uh, the— situation you talk about the rights of lay people demanding a bishop to resign we're going to cover why we're asking a bishop as to resign because he's basically deviating from the church's teachings he's promoting uh you know lgbt ministries and this is going against the catholic church and the point i'm making here is that as lay people we have a moral obligation uh, because of canon law and the church teachings yeah. that when somebody is in error, even if it's the Pope or a bishop, and souls are at risk, we have to speak up. Am I on to something, Ed? Terry, there's a famous instance mm-hmm. in uh, Constantinople, okay. in the imperial capital, around Christmas of the year 430. Oh, yeah. Uh, the bishop, Nestorius was his name, and he um, he basically gave a sermon in which he said that Mary did not give birth to the Logos. Oh, yeah. You know, God the Son. Mm-hmm. And it was a layman who stood up, a lawyer. His name was Eusebius. And he stood up in the church and he said, that's heresy. Oh, God love him. Not only that, <laughs> he, 
he, he, he, he got a document in which he compared the heresies of Nestorius to the heresies of John of Samosata, who was a heretic against Christ from the previous century. Yeah. And he, he basically, in a nutshell, the, the, the Pope at the time, Pope Celestine, wrote a letter to Nestorius and, and told him that uh, you've, been, you've basically been abandoned by everybody in the city, and, you know, good for them, because a person like you is, 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 is a anathema because of your— at the moment you started to preach those things, you, you actually lost your office. Amen. Well, when we come back, and you probably know in history, 431 is when the Church defined Mary, the Mother of God. We come back after a quick break. We're going to talk about, are you ready, incurring the wrath of God. German Catholics demand bishops resign for launching a pro-LGBT ministry. Dr. Ed Mazza, thanks for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. And I want to encourage the people to go again to your website. What is that website, Dr. Ed? Uh, just go to E-D-M-U-N-D-M-A-Z-Z-A.com. Thank you, guys. God bless you. You got brother. it. Hey, Terry yep. and Jesse. Wow, Jess, this is amazing. Lay people wrote a, a blistering letter. And I think it's charity to do it's that. It's going to happen more and more. You're, We're going to see more of that, yeah. Yeah, this is going to start a groundswell around the world. And remember, um, Our Lady of Akita talked about these kinds of things, too, where bishops are going after against bishops. Now lay people are jumping in for the yeah. truth of the gospel. Yep. Stay with yep. us, family. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to Terry and the Jesse Show. <laughs> Incurring the wrath of God, oh German God. Catholics demand Bishop resign for launching pro-LGBT ministry. Good for them. These are the prophecies of Fulton Sheen coming to, to yes. light in our very eyes. Yes. And these are the prophecies of Akita Japan about bishops and cardinals going at, fighting yep. against each other. Yep. So uh, if, if, uh, if you offer the Pope to renounce your episcopate, the letter said, because you're not suited for it. This is what a group of lay Catholics told pro-homosexual bishop yeah. Peter Colgraf in a blistering letter. Yep. So a group of faithful Catholic laity blasted the German bishop of the Diocese of Mainz in Germany in a letter and called for him to resign for establishing a pro-LGBT, queer-sensitive pastoral ministry. What? Bishop Colgraf, well, it's already happened in the U.S. There's already some here in the U.S. Yeah, of course. We Americans have to do the same thing here. Yes. The letter says, Bishop Colgraf, you are incurring the wrath of God. One day you will have to answer to God what is at stake is nothing less than your soul salvation. That's charity. The group, the, yeah, the close quote, the group states in the letter. The letter urges Bishop Peter Colgraf to abandon the immoral project of a queer sensitive pastoral ministry. Right. I can think about 14 bishops in the U.S. that need that same letter. Yep. Quote. One of them's in your diocese. I'm yes. Sorry. Cor- correct. Uh, be, it says here, behind the seemingly harmless term, queer-sensitive pastoral ministry, lies a subversive plan that you and many of your German fellow clergymen are pursuing together with the officials of Catholic committees and associations. The letter states, adding that the goal of this plan is to undermine traditional Catholic sexual morality and to replace it with a hedonistic, ethical surrogate that also declares queer sexual practices to be normal and pleasing to God. 
Where is your sensitivity, Bishop, for the preservation of the deposit of faith? That's what the authors of the letter asked Bishop Colgraff. And I'd like to just add, it's not in this letter, but God is not going to rewrite the Bible for your generation, Bishop. (laughs) Stop trying to change Scripture when it's written to change you. You see, Jesse, the point of that man's statement is they're calling him to embrace a biblical worldview, not a worldly view. And what the bishop is jumping into is what the world teaches and that there is no truth. There's just opinions. And so uh, this man, we need to pray for his conversion. And like he said, I, I think it's really, they say, offer the Pope to renounce your episcopate. You are not suited for it. You're not. And there are many bishops today, Jesse, that are not suited to pass on the faith. And if they're not willing to do it, step aside. Yeah, he, but here's the problem, is that the Pope, I have no doubt that the Pope would not receive oh, his resignation. That. That's true. Because, because, trust me, the Pope doesn't see a problem with it. And we're going to see that. It's unfortunate. We're going to see that in the Synod of Synodality, the final documents. I will, that's, that statement of mine, I will be vindicated. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and the reason I say this is all you have to do is just open your eyes. Pope Francis, with all due respect, he surrounds himself yeah. and he and he elevates people that are pro-homosexual, right. pro-LGBT. He's the Roman Curia. He's surrounded with people right. in the highest. And, and if you're Orthodox and traditional, guess what? You're fired. Yeah. If I can encourage, we'll get another job. Yeah. If I can encourage people to check out the Catholic thing, uh, Father Gerald Murray's title of his article, "The Self-Destructive Senate." Uh, he does a, a magnificent job of pointing out uh, all these errors and how Jesse, what I what I find even. Uh, and this is the, the, another topic, but they, they're trying to manipulate the Christ teachings and use some clever ways, like they want to ordain women for the diaconate. Well, it's not going to be already, you know, the Episcopal adorning, ordaining. We just want them to read the gospel and preach at Sunday masses. Mm. And this is how they're going to jump around the issue. And the point of it is, we as lay people, I believe, in this article, these are good examples of just standing up and saying, no, not on my watch. Yep, a lot of too many of us, Terry. Our eyes are open now. Yeah, we've been and, we call it red yeah. pill, Jess. And guess what? Now we have the ability to communicate our ideas. There's a lot of podcasters, the good oh, Catholic podcasters the around world. the country. Yep, and, and they're putting out good information. Yep, you know we we've become like a little resistance movement around the world through the internet, where we're able to warn Catholics about a very biblical word: resist. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resist resist the evil days. This is a very biblical word. And so we have to also resist heterodox teaching. That's right. That's right. Cardinal Mueller says obedience is not owed to an obviously heretical bishop. No. Well, he didn't have to tell me that. I, just know that. I, that. I know that from natural law. Yeah, of course. Okay. You know, even if my earthly father, which he didn't, but if he would told me to do something objectively of sinful, course, say no. I, I said, natural law tells me, uh, right. no, he can't do that. He can't do that. Okay, divine law and natural tells us if a bishop, even if he's got the red hat, I mean, he tells you to do something that's obviously heretical, yep. you've got to resist him. Well, in the Summa Theologica to, yeah. by Thomas Aquinas, he says when, uh, when, a, when a bishop or even the pope would be teaching something that's going to scandalize the salvation of souls, in other words, not give them the opportunity to get to heaven, but to hell, 
you have not just a right, you have an obligation to speak up. And so that's why I think we're right spot on, Jesse, by and we, we respect the office. But when you teach something that's contrary to the teachings of the church, we're going to call you out out of charity because we don't want you to go to hell because you're sending people to hell. When you send people to hell by bad example, hey, uh, you're going with them because I of can, your example. I can just hear a modernist Catholic say, Terry, yeah, you're gonna... you're quoting a saint a thousand years yep. ago. Yep. Uh, that, here's what the, here's what the modernist will tell you. That's yeah. pre-Vatican oh, II. Yeah, nobody well, let me let, let me give them Vatican II then, because yeah. I I know most the modernists reject Saint Thomas. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, I'll true. tell you right now that they rejected him at the council. Yep. So let me quote Vatican II then. Okay. Since, since modernists reject Saint Thomas yeah. Aquinas, Go for Vatican it. II says in paragraph 907 of the New Catechism, quote, in accord with the knowledge competence and preeminence which the lay people possess lay people have the right and even at times a duty notice that military word yeah, duty, duty to manifest to the sacred pastors that's bishops and priests their opinion on matters which pertain to the good of the church and they have a like what, what pertains to the good of the church bishops quit promoting lgbt ideology exactly. that's a mortal sin yep. that's yep. called the sin of sodomy and the catechism says yeah and hey. lay people have a right to make their opinion known to other christian faithful guess what that's what me and terry do monday through friday give that we paragraph exactly number. paragraph 907 of the catechism of the catholic church 907 and i might add ezekiel chapter 3 verse 18 and 19 well says, that's also pre-vatican too right i don't care you know what <laughs> if these people don't believe in the inerrancy of the bible and they don't. And they don't. But, but and I can understand. Anyhow, but, you know, we actually teach as a Catholic faith we do. that we believe in God's word. And the Bible yeah. says this. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, no, uh, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways in order to save his life, that the wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, you know, about the wickedness of homosexuality, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you will have saved your life. Bishops, read Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18 to 19. Yeah, LifeSide News has a link to this article, which, which is, this is the end game. The end game of the synod and synodality. LifeSide News article, it says, the synodal way wants to reverse Catholic teaching on homosexuality. That's right. Pretty obvious. In other words, that's their end game. Yep. This is what this is what they're tracking towards. Yep. And we know it. And this is why Catholics around the world were making noise. Yep. And we're starting to hold Continue. our bishops accountable. And I can tell you, God bless these Catholic lay people uh, across the pond, Terry, because this should be happening in more and more. Oh, it's going to happen. And, and, and it's and it's going. Yep. I think this is going to spark at least oh, the fourth. The 14 Catholics, a diocese in this country that have pro-LGBT bishops, yeah. I think you're going to see lay Catholics, they're going to draft a letter and do some, something yeah. just like they've done across the pond. Yeah, and it's charity to do that, Jesse. It's not pridefulness at all. We have the salvation of souls. Remember what canon law says, the last canon. Everything the church does is for one reason, for the salvation of souls. And so when we correct our bishop or pope, it's not done out of pride. It's done out of charity because we want to see people get to heaven. We want to see souls there that will reach uh, heaven only when the, when, when the leaders in the church <clears throat> consistently teach 
the scriptural worldview. And that's what we try to do here at Virgin Most Powerful. This is not Jesse Romero's opinion. Who cares about Terry Barber's opinion or Jesse? I want to know what what revelation, what the Word of God, what yeah. the Catholic Church teaches, the perennial teachings, so that I know what truth is. That's, that's right. And uh, it's funny, Terry, uh, in one of the commercials that we have here on VMPR, there's a guy that comes out, and he calls us the Argus of Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. So people are saying, somebody asked me, Jess, what's the Argus of Catholicism? The word Argus, A-R-G-I-S, it stands for Advanced Repair Guidance Information System. <laughs> it's, a mil- it's a military term. Yeah. It stands for Advanced Repair Guidance Information System. And uh, so it, it's a compliment. The fact is, Terry and myself, we can promise you yeah. that we're going to continue to put the spotlight oh, yeah. of truth upon this culture of death. Yes. And we're going to keep firing missiles of truth. Amen. Missiles of truth from this program against the wall of lies. Well said, Jess. And that, that's what, what you're supporting when you support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I appreciate all of the monthly supporters who support us. And if you'd like to become one, we'll send you product every month electronically of Scott Hahn, Tim Staples, uh, Jesse Romero, uh, Jeff Cavins, all these great speakers we've had for the last 30, 40 years. I have recordings to send on teachings of the Bible. So all you have to do is go to vmpr.org and just register a $25 a month donation or more. And you're part of Team Jesus here with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I might add, if you want to do it over the phone because you don't want to get online, I get that. Make it easy. Call 877 877- Five two six two one five one, and I'll even make it easier if you want to talk to me after the show. Yeah, how many guys are going to do this? I will. My cell number is six six one. The only guy doing this nine seven two seven eight seven two, because I love you yep. enough because I want to teach you what has been taught to me, and that is the revelation of Jesus Christ and His Bride, the Church. Amen. The perennial teachings of the Church, because life is short and eternity is forever. Just wrap it up. Well, we've been reporting for duty for the whole hour here. Mm-hmm. And we just want to remind you to wake up, America. Don't hit the snooze button. Global warming alert. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. That make sure before you die, you leave it all out in the field for the Lord Jesus Christ. Terry. Get to Mass. It's All Souls Day, please. And remember, Our Lady of Fatima said, Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. I get to get to three Masses. I get to go to three Masses today here at our chapel. Join me at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock or even 7.30 this evening Mm. at the Sacred Heart Chapel. And they're all beautiful masses in Latin, and Mm. you're going to kneel for Holy Communion, and it's only on your tongue. Yes, we love it here. Stay with us, folks. we got another great show. Matthew Arnold's up. I can see him in Studio B. God love you.